Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And it does look like the monsoonal patterns are here. I've gotten a couple, I think I've had a half an inch of rain in our, in the lane backyard. Uh, probably more than that here at the garden center, which is only like three miles away. I mean, it's, I, I live right next to the garden center. I, I bike to work often. Uh, but that's how the monsoon rain patterns work. You can have rain over your house, but just a, a block or two over. Nothing, just dry. I saw the rain over there, but I didn't feel a drop. Uh, but it's coming. It'll come to your neighborhood too. That's how the patterns work. So half inch already. On average, this is Prescott, Arizona. It uh, kind of depends on where you're at, the backside of Let's say Granite Mountain, it's a little less on the front side, a little more. It just depends on where that cloud forms and hits and releases all that moisture. But on average, we'll get two and a half to three inches of rain this month. And we'll do the same thing again next month. So we get most of our, our, our wet pattern, most of our moisture for the year happens during this monsoon rain pattern. And then it can be bone dry. Well, like last month, June, it was just... Literally bone dry. It was just dry as could be. I, I think I had a, a smattering of water, and that was it. And then it was just all your plants were dependent on your irrigation. It was like a lifeline. And and plants do not like drip irrigation. It's not the ideal way to water plants. It just simply, simply gets them through until the rains actually come. It's more of a supplement or a gap filler of our natural rain patterns. You need plants in your backyard that can that that grow naturally in our backyard uh, without a lot of irrigation. And then when you give them any amount of care, they just thrive and take off. So now if if your plants were getting a little beat up last month, they were looking a little rough, brown leaves, spotted leaves, curled leaves, cracked, torn, ripped, dried leaves. If they just looked a little uh, under the weather or dry, that's pretty common. June is, is the mountains of Arizona, June is the most difficult month to garden in. Everyone thinks January, oh, it's so difficult. Oh my gosh, or January, so cold. Yeah, but the plants are, are so, they're just, they're just chilled. They're like in a cryogenic state. They just lock into place. They're moving, but it's really slow. Well, right now, they are actively moving fast. I mean, they are like on high hyperspeed. Things are growing. You can watch your grapes grow by the hour out there. It's amazing. It's fun to watch. Uh, some of your vines, some of your faster-growing plants. The maples are starting to push really good growth. The desert willows have started to bloom. Crepe myrtles are starting to crack their colors and show off that, that fancy shrub, that, that intense, vibrant watermelon pinks and, and, and whites and all those fancy red colors. This is an actively growing time in the yard. If some of your plants got a little rough, uh, that's okay. You take advantage of the monsoon rains that happen. So some of my Japanese maples, they were, they were suffering. Uh, this is not good Japanese maple country. 
Uh, everyone wants to grow one. And if you read the tags, it grows in full sun. It will take anything you give it. Give it wind. Uh, no, no, not at this altitude. This is a rougher climate. And so some of those plants, if you don't place them in just the right spot, they get beat up. So I had some Japanese maples in containers that dress up a north side or direct west side of my house. And they've been there for years. Um, I, I know that it's a struggle for them right there. That's okay. I'm a gardener. I like to help plants get through their struggle. Gardeners just know how to nurse plants along. And so I had spritzed the foliage with some wilt stop. I just locking in the in that moisture because I knew that June was dry. But I still got a few little brown tips. That's okay. What I've done now is in my containers, all of my containers I have fertilized with a water-soluble flower power. It's a liquid. It's like a miracle grow, only way, way better. So I mixed that up in my watering can, and I gave that to all of my containers, not just my Japanese maples. And already, it's only been a week. Already, you can see tiny little leaves starting to come out, new new buds coming out on the flowers. New gardenias are starting to form because you're fertilizing right now. The humidity has gone up. There's been some afternoon rains, a couple of them at our house, and all of a sudden the plants are just, I mean, they are responding. This is a good time to fertilize everything in the yard, not just your containers. It's even a better time to be planting your summer-loving plants. They prefer to be planted during the when the soil is very, very warm. And so if your plants were struggling, fertilize them. If you've got some open holes and you see the neighbors have got this beautiful um, native-looking tree that grows about, I don't know, 12, 15 feet tall, these beautiful red to pink flowers on it, that's probably a desert willow. It grows wild. You can plant one for yourself, and it would it would thrive if you plant it in the yard right now. If you've got a neighbor that's got a, a beautiful shade tree, if you're just thinking about you need some shade, I can't enjoy the twilight, the sunsets in my backyard because the sun is so intense. Now is a tremendous time to be planting a new tree in your yard. Now, I wouldn't say that if you were living down in Phoenix. It's a terrible time. If you're in the Midwest and you really don't irrigate, you don't have, you just plant and let it do its thing, you don't plant in the summer. But here where the monsoon rains are, where it's cool in the evening, this is a just a, a an ideal, kind of the best scenario when you get some moisture, some warm soils, some actively growing plants. What happens is when a plant is actively growing above ground, the same exact thing is happening below ground. And so you don't just get top growth, new foliage, leaves, branches. You also get the same thing. The, the roots mirror what's going on above ground. And so if it's actively growing, that's a sign, ooh, I can really force some new roots on this thing. I could really get a strong, robust, drought-hardy plant. So that's why you want to fertilize. And I, I went through my yard. I fertilized everything in the yard with 744 all-purpose plant food. Now, that's an organic food that I made decades ago that's developed for plants here in, to correspond to, to work in conjunction with our natural environment, our rains, our moisture. And so you put that on there. It goes right through the rock, right through the fabrics. It goes right through. You just chuck it on. You don't work it in. You just let it go and let the rains hit it and work its way into the ground. The beauty with organics, 
is that every time water hits that those granules, those organic granules, because it's natural, that is, it's made from cottonseed meal and bone meal and feather meal and just different kinds of organic uh, uh, ingredients, they don't break down, they don't release instantly all at once. That's what a chemical fertilizer does. Organics, they almost work in conjunction with your mycorrhizal colonies, your worms, your the beneficials in the soil. They'll actually help you break it down, digest it, so it becomes a very long feeding pattern for your plants. They much prefer that. Uh, a lot of the chemicals are almost like a it's like a heroin addict. I mean, they're just they're just juiced up and hyped. And and while the fertilizer's there, it's great. Oh man, I'm gonna grow, grow, grow green. I'm just gonna go green. And then you know, two weeks, three weeks later, it's gone, and you're left with they're left wanting. So it's much better to go with a longer released organic fertilizer. It's healthier for your plants. It's healthier for you. Quite honestly, it's definitely healthier for your pets who are walking all over it, birds pecking around in it. It just makes sense. Organics can be, I know some of you folks have come from the East Coast is famous for their chemicals. They only chuck chemicals on the yard. Petroleum-based products, I only want chemicals. I want to see it react now. Yeah, but there's so much, there's so many better, there's, there's a better way. You just got to up your game a little bit with knowledge or you just come to the right garden center who can get you, who's done all the formulation for you. It goes in a hand spreader. You just chuck it around the yard or we can actually show you how to make your own recipes. It's kind of fun, actually. Anyway, got a lot in store for you on this show. Lisa Watersline is coming in with your garden questions. We'll hear what your neighbors are saying right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, verbena, and crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle flowers are intense watermelon pink, solar reds, and LED whites that cover this heat-loving shrub plant where you enjoy its beautiful multicolored bark and sinuous branches up close. The flowers show against forest green foliage that turns red and orange in autumn. Growing to just head height, every yard has room for at least one and only available for summer planting here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Wondering why the grass is always greener on the other side? Well, it's probably because your neighbor used the all-purpose fertilizer from Waters Garden Center. Monsoon is right around the corner and it's the perfect time to feed your plants. Waters All-Purpose Fertilizer is the only organic made especially for Arizona mountain soils. Don't buy a bunch of different fertilizer for your flowers, veggies, trees, or grass. This one does it all. The plants on your side will be happier, healthier, well, greener. Safe, natural, organic. Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. All right, so we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden question. Just what are your neighbors talking about? And I would imagine they're talking about a lot because everything's active. Everything's growing out mm-hmm. in the yard right now. So welcome to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. Good to be here. How are your gardens looking? Um, our gardens look okay. We were not, uh, we did not get the hail that a lot of people did. I've seen some very devastating pictures yeah. of people's yards so sad but 
you know, I tell them, go talk nicely to them. There's more season left. They'll grow, fertilize them, take care of them. Did you see that uh, video of, of Flagstaff? No. There's water flowing through the streets through some neighborhood this week with cars being picked up and they're oh, floating. I swear it's like Asia or something. No, it's just Flagstaff. <laughs> it's like uh, running down the middle of the street, oh. picking up Priuses and bumping into trucks. It's like it was uh, fun to watch as long as you weren't there with your yeah. watching your car. Float down. <laughs> float down. A lot of rain hitting. Yeah. It's amazing. A lot of rains. Um, as a kid, we had a wash. We lived up in Wildwood Estates um, out, out Iron Springs Road. That's where I grew up. And uh, there was a wash down at the bottom of the house. Mm -hmm. And when it flooded like that, you couldn't cross the creek. You just were stuck until, until that right. flash flood was gone. We used to pick up. And I was a big, strong football player, you know, bench pressing 300 pounds. We'd pick up uh, like, uh, like boulders. And throw, throw them in, in to see if it would uh, wash those boulders away. We're talking 100, 200 pound boulders like it was nothing. Just like mm. nothing, nothing. It's, yeah, you have to be careful with those flash flood. That's why they Dude, give you warnings. <laughs> you know, folks that are new to the area, mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're a hiker, which is, this is hiking country. Mm -hmm. If you hear, you're down on a dry wash, you hear this clicking, click, 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 mm -hmm. click, click. Get out of the way. Get out of the wash, because that's usually what that is. A flash flood is coming, and those are the boulders being pushed in front of the water as it comes down, and people are killed by mm -hmm. flash floods. So you need mm -hmm. to be highly aware. Yeah. You know, we don't have tornadoes or hurricanes or Oh, we did have a funnel cloud, though. Did yes. you see the picture of that yeah. over by the airport? But only goats were carried away, not, <laughs> not barns and people. Well, true. I don't know. I don't know. That is not real news. <laughs> that's total just fun. And that's that's visions in my head coming out of the airwaves. <laughs> no. Maybe we should no. move on to questions at okay, this yeah. point. Good um, idea. Thank goodness time. <laughs> So we do have questions. So Jill was out in her yard and yep. noticed these great big beetles walking around, big, big claws. Yeah. Wants to know, are those bad for the yard? Should she get rid of them? Or what do you do? They're not causing any trouble? What's this, the deal? This is the benefit for the folks tuned in watching this on the uh, um video stream Ooh. so we can we we, rec we record it we put it together a podcast and we have segments we do like like video kind of stuff but for you folks in the video that's called you see that that's a palo verde this is in our backyard i was picking it up playing with it i posted this to facebook but it's like a five inch beetle that uh it has huge claws in the front of it high ginormous like three inch antennae and Antenna. so it's called a palo verde beetle uh, no, they're not dangerous. But I we don't worry. have Palo Verdes up here. Well, they go after mesquites. They go after uh, desert willows. They go after, well, I don't know where. I don't know what. That's what they're called. <laughs> that's how gardeners know what they are. But it's Palo Verde beetle. Guy. Huge, like three, four inch beetle. Black, typically. Uh, and, and I was picking up with my hand. They, they don't they don't really bite. I didn't test it. I didn't actually put my finger in his big old claws. They're like half inch uh, proboscis, whatever, whatever that mouthpiece is. Am I doing, am I doing botanical names? No, <laughs> all my entomologist friends just ignore everything you're yeah. hearing on They're the like, airwaves. Oh, I can't believe you're <laughs> saying that. I've got my doctorate in this. He's totally wrong. <laughs> it's just a big beetle and they don't eat your gardens. It's not a big deal. I, th there's so few of them. It's kind of an honor to see them. They mm -hmm. show up every summer. 
they lay their eggs, they get really tired and they land like in your iced tea or your patio furniture or your back patio, your gardens, and they kind of croak and die. So you'll see them just laying out there around. Hmm. Uh, they basically live their entire life cycle underground at the base of Palo Verde trees or other things in a grub form. They come up and they do, they come up just to live for a few days as Palo Verde beetles to find a mate and hopefully more Palo Verde trees to lay eggs at. And that's okay. it. That's your cycle. All right. Don't worry. Okay. We'll take your word for it on that. <laughs> so Connie has a retaining wall, yeah. retaining wall. She wants to soften the edge yeah. uh, by growing something over it, but she doesn't want uh, a vine per se. Okay. She wants something sturdier than that. Okay, easy. So looking for recommendations. How about a vine? <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I mean, vines can, can work that way, but uh, probably number one perennial, kind of a weed, but uh, Vinca or periwinkle. I, I don't like introducing that into my gardens because they're so aggressive. Mm -hmm. I prefer using things like rosemary. There's a mm -hmm. creeping rosemary, less aggressive, very pretty, evergreen. It's got blue flowers, very fragrant. Animals don't eat it. That's a great one. Cotoneaster, mm -hmm. creeping junipers. There's a lot of shrubs. In fact, we've got an entire section here at the garden center. We curate all the shrubs. There's one section that's knee high and below. Look at that entire section. They're all good for this kind of, of, yeah. of stuff. Then you've got hip high and below. So that, that kind of medium size and it's head high and above the screening kind of stuff. So we kind of curate. We, we put all the evergreens and bloomers, all of them together. They're all companion plants and they'll just grow this high because we find that people buy them for their size, not so much their, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Another one you might look at are roses like carpet roses. Oh, the carpet roses, very pretty going over mm -hmm. the edge. There's a lot of choices. Um, yeah. If it's more shaded area, hookahs are very pretty mm -hmm. or coral bells is another name. So there's a lot of choice. That's one come in, bring a picture of the, of the wall, take a quick measurement because we can't tell how, many how long it is. <clears throat> but if you took a quick measurement, took a picture, we go help you design that and soften that wall up. I totally get it. It looks kind of sterile or mm -hmm. too dry it needs needs some living breathing plants to soften up that wall's edge so it looks more natural yep i agree good okay so our next question is from terry she's gonna be putting in a small lawn okay. wants to know should she till gypsum into the soil to help with compaction yeah so gypsum this is a let's explain what gypsum is mm -hmm. this is kind of a myth that goes out there you hear it all the time if, if you read the bag so gypsum is calcium sulfate if you read the bag it says liquefies rock <laughs> it doesn't do that what happens is our water is so hard as you're watering, it fills up the, the, the pockets inside the soil with, with basically hard water, mm -hmm. minerals, uh, calcium. And so what calcium, what, what uh, gypsum does, it helps to flush the soil out. So as it clogs up, it helps flush all the minerals out. So it helps the plants to breathe, to root out better. That's truly how you use it. Uh, it, cannot, it cannot hurt to add gypsum to a lawn area, mm -hmm. especially if it's draining. Uh, seedlings, they, they like to breathe. They, they, they're looking to die. So if they get too dry, they die. If they get too wet, they die. And so if you, the calcium, can, calcium sulfate or gypsum can help mm -hmm. with that. More importantly, add organic matter, add compost, mulch. That's 
much more valuable than gypsum. So I would say add a two to three inch layer of compost and then till that to one shovel's depth or one rototiller depth. Add some gypsum in there if you want, mm -hmm. uh, but mainly do that and then add, here's the real secret for lawns, add humic, H-U-M-I-C, humic. Humic is a, it's humic acid. It helps seedlings to get more established roots. Mm -hmm. That is the best thing you can do. More, more compost and more humic. And then I would, at the same time, while you're doing this, while you're prepping, while you're, while you're making this uh, soil bed, like like over the top, ready to go, mm -hmm. uh, if you could add some fertilizer on top of it. So and I, I would add 744 all-purpose food. Mm -hmm. It's real nice, organic. The cottonseed meal in that will make it just root deep, root strong. A weed will never, not even be think about wanting to grow in there because the grass will be so thick. So all-purpose food, humic and, and mulch till to one shovel's depth, then put that seed bed on there. You will have a lush and the seed will germinate within, oh, mm -hmm. we're talking days. I mean, right. by this time next week, you'll be going, I think I see green and you will because there'll be grass coming up. Would you, oh, I don't have enough time. I can't ask. They'll have to wait. Until oh, next week. <laughs> more. Sit, tune in for more right here on the Mountain Gardener with Kim Lisa Lane. Thanks, Lise. Be right back. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters Garden Companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and pentas. Pentas are a butterfly magnet with super sweet nectar produced in starry flowers on 12-inch stems. She loves heat and wind with minimal care to keep the flowers coming. The large clusters of vibrant star-shaped flowers are stunning in pots and raised beds. A superb flower that outperforms others as long as it's hot. You'll only find heat-hardy pentas at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. I hate weeds. Monsoon rains are so refreshing, even my landscape comes alive. But so do my weeds. Stop weeds in their track in one simple step. Water's weed and grass stopper spreads like fertilizer. It kills weed seed before monsoon rains allow them to sprout. No need to weed. It's safe for trees, even flower beds, and so much safer than that toxic waste the big box sells. Weed and grass stopper, and only found at Water's Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. One of my favorite plants, kind of late summer to early fall, that just outshines the others. I guess there's several. Crepe myrtles are in full bloom. They're pretty sexy. Those are those are pretty glorious. Glow in the dark pinks and reds and watermelons and brightest whites ever. But one of my favorites, just because it draws in kind of butterflies, hummingbirds, it makes it brings the the landscape alive with not just flowers, but also with wildlife. And I'm not talking mammals, I'm talking like insects, like like butterflies. I love butterflies. So butterfly bush is over the top right now. This is the best time to select and plant a butterfly bush because you've got so many choices. You can see the colors. And there's a lot of choices. I mean, dark night purple butterfly bush. That's the one your grandparents grew. 
Yeah, it's a big boy. It gets up easily 10 feet, maybe taller. It's a, it's a big one. It needs to be aggressively cut back every year. Huge purple, like royal purple flowers all over them. And if you put one of those in the ground, let it, let it just let it grow up. Uh, you'll literally have dozens of butterflies at any given time on this butterfly bush. It's great screen, fast growing, can't hardly kill it. You can use it as a, as a screen or, or windbreak. It's a very good, hardy type of shrub for the mountains of Arizona, and it comes back year after year. It's too large for my landscape. I, I, I go with the medium to, to short sizes. So we're introducing new varieties all the time that, that are half that size. So I, I just planted some, some pink butterfly bush or ruby red. It's really a really rich, deep pink. I guess it could trend red, but ruby red butterfly bush, it only gets head high. Now that's much easier to maintain in my, and yet it still has this great big flower that butterflies love. We've got them all the way down to a pugster. That's a new variety of butterfly bush. It only gets knee high, but that same big flower to it. There's new introductions of more ball shaped with smaller flowers, but more of them that are being introduced. Brighter colors. You've got whites and yellows and reds and purples and pinks. Lots of colors of butterfly bush, but we're on the migratory path for a lot of these butterflies. And so why not attract them into your gardens and have them just be there? It's kind of like garden fairies floating around your flowers. Zinnias, they love zinnias. Uh, they do actually like Rosa Sharon's and crepe myrtles. And there's a lot of summer blooming plants you can put in the ground. And this is the best time to plant them. Your summer plants prefer being planted while the soil is warm. They don't like spring planting. In fact, you can't find a crepe myrtle here at the Waters Garden Center, at least. Maybe at the lower elevation places, they might have them. But up here in God's country, up where it's still chilly, still kind of frosting at night, but bright days, typical spring. Um, here, we, we like to, we'll carry the, the lilacs. They like spring. Forsythia. Flower and quince, they like spring planting. Even roses, they like spring planting. But your crepe myrtles, your, your chaste trees, your uh, desert willows, uh, a lot of your evergreens, they much prefer being planted when the soil is very warm. And so you'll see more choices of those plants. Also, those plants wake up later. So they're kind of twiggy in the spring. They wait to leaf out and to bloom until summer. They'd like everything about the heat. And so let them have the heat. This is the time when you want to introduce those into your landscape. I would say the same thing about many of the, we call them high desert or mountain desert kind of plants. Yuccas, agaves, cacti, choyas, desert willows, uh, Apache plumes, ceanothus, ketoniasters, all these native plants that grow wild out in the, on the hillside. Uh, you'll find better selection, better specimens, fuller specimens at your garden centers this time of year. And they prefer being planted this time of year. They'll root out deeper, stronger, faster. And so that's, you, you got you plenty of time, which is kind of different. A lot of places, like in the South, spring is your time to plant. It's too humid and hot in the summer. And then it's just, then, then, then it's just over. Uh, in, in, in Phoenix, Palm Springs, Tucson, you plant in the spring, almost late winter, 
then you plant again in the fall. You have these two planting cycles. Uh, that, that's okay. In the Midwest, you plant in the spring and fall is for planting. Your big trees like maples and spruce and pine get planted in the fall. Here, up in God's in Arizona, up in this because of elevation and the monsoon patterns and how we operate, and because it's cool. I mean, even what is it? Right, this week it was 80s, 90, and then it cools down to in the 60s. It's nice. It's just comfortable for you in the evening. It's just as comfortable for your plants, and they like that. And so you can easily introduce. New plants. If you're new to the area and going, oh, I might be running out of time. Not even. Don't even think that way. You've plenty of time. First frost isn't until November, you know, into usually Halloween, plus or minus a week or so. Plenty of time. In fact, that's when you put things in and have the fall color. That's when you put maples and your sycamores and your aspens in. It just looks so good and so bright. And they, they root out then th through the end of the year. So plenty of time left. All right, that's it for this segment. Got more for you. Lisa Waters Lane coming back with her garden segment after this. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Some things are just better together. She's the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters Garden Center. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Ah, thanks Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid better together and only at Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden Companion Plants by our maple, verbena, crepe myrtle, and rose of Sharon hibiscus. Rose of Sharon is a mountain hardy hibiscus with anemone-like blooms. Each stem of this hardy hibiscus is packed with buds. She makes a beautiful informal hedge or screen and is easily trained into small trees. Available Prescott colors show in blue, purple, white, red, and pink for years of enjoyment. You'll find breathtaking hibiscus here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, so Ken and Lisa Lane uh, here, The Mountain Gardeners, and Lisa takes this entire segment and I bite my tongue. Or try not to say anything. We all uh, know that doesn't <laughs> Anyway, it's good to get a different perspective on from, from gardening. Mm -hmm. So gardening is all about different angles. There's different ways to perceive. There's no right or wrong. There's just what's personal and feels good for you out in the landscape. If you love hummingbirds, put more hummingbird stuff. If you're only here in the winter because this is your winter home and Alaska is your summer home, put more evergreens because you're here in the in the winter, if you this is your summer home and you winter down in Scottsdale or, or Palm Springs, put in more summer fall blooming things because that's when you're up here. Put so you can make you can personalize your landscapes. So <laughs> I thought you were gonna bite your tongue. I'm still setting the stage <laughs> for you. So okay, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Now you see what I deal with, folks. You see what's going on. All you it, guys understand, right? It's all my segment, except <laughs> Okay, so hi Lisa. <laughs> hi Ken. I'm glad you're here. Me too. 
And may I wish you a happy anniversary a week early. Thank you. Big 34 is coming up. I went and got your yesterday. <gasps> can't wait. What is it? Share. Do share with the oh. audience. They want to know. Well, they're going to have to wait. Till next week. Yeah. <laughs> or the week after. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. If we don't forget. Now we got 34 years and we're starting to forget. We stooped up about so, yes, what we're going to talk about this week is screen trees or creating a secret garden yeah. effect. You know, Good. privacy, privacy. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. so many new homes going up in the area and people who've been on their property for 10 years, they never had homes around them. All of a sudden, now they have a house going up next to them, and it's a little disconcerting to people. To, to you definitely to lost your privacy. You feel like oh, you're yeah. out there on the back porch in your underwear or something. <laughs> you always feel exposed. Uh, uh, yeah, that's I, bad. You that's shouldn't a be doing that. So that's not. <laughs> so screens are hugely important. They're becoming more important as yeah. the more homes that we get. Um, some people have moved into a home with already established with homes around them, but they want to create a nice environment because they really love spending time outside. So creating that secret garden means blocking off people's eyeballs on you all the time. Yeah. So there's, depending upon the space that you're trying to fill, um, height, width, size, there's a lot of different things you can use, different textures, different looks. Um, and I always encourage people, don't go with a wall. Don't go with a wall of 20 Fotinia. Okay. You know, try to try to mix it up a little bit. Maybe you do a tree and then some Fotinia and then another variety of tree. Just something to give your, so it's just not little soldiers. Feels more garden-esque kind mm -hmm. of thing instead of a, right. a green wall mm -hmm. like a, like a like a prison block right it feels like a garden where you, like iguanas <laughs> want to jump in off from tree to tree that maybe that's Florida, well and also if if you get which happens if you get a bout of some kind of disease or fungus or insect that takes out um, like the Leland cypress you know yeah. a lot of people put Leland's yeah. in as greens well all the Leland's have uh, the ceridium canker and they're dying out so people who had these Big walls of, of Leland's now are scrambling. Well, that culture. Mm -hmm. If there's any disease that goes through, it's going to take them all out, and you're left starting over again, right? If not going backwards, right? So, so yeah. good idea to mix things up. I think it's more pleasing to the eye, and I think it's just healthier for yeah. the yard as well. Yeah. Uh, so, for thinking screens, some of the bigger screen trees you can use, of course, are Austrian pine. Yeah, which is a choice. great pine for here, fast growing, does well here. It doesn't get the um, the scale as much. It doesn't get the bores in it as frequently. So it's actually a really good pine to put into our it's, area. It's like a it's like a shorter ponderosa pine, but it holds its foliage right down to the ground. Mm -hmm. But it still has a long needle to it, and, and it's very hardy for here. Oh yeah, Deodor cedar. So that's there a really go. good replacement for those people who had the Leland cypress. That Deodor is just a super replacement for that. Very fast growing, very drought hardy. Probably the fastest growing mm -hmm. of all the evergreens, right? And, and and the biggest. That's probably why it grows so fast. We're talking yeah. sixty foot high and it gets twenty five feet wide. Yeah. It's a monster. You need some space it, for it's that. Not for these little lots. <laughs> this, this is the one you want to have a big big yard for. My favorite though is you tell people how big it gets, and they go, "Ah, oh, that'll be." Somebody else's yeah. problem. <laughs> it's 
true. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, good point. Uh, so very fast growing, very drought hardy. Um, they can be a little weird looking when they're young, but give them a year or two and they're beautiful. Spruce. So Fat Albert spruce, Colorado blue spruce, Norway spruce, a uh, little slower growing, six to eight inches a year, would you say? Yeah, but, you can get a foot if you get the bigger, just Colorado. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. the Fat Alberts and the Dwarf varieties, but uh, hoop backer eyes, and they're right. big. They grow a little faster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But still a great one if you're doing a big area. Put in a pine or a deodor and then put a spruce in front yeah, of it. Yeah, good idea. It gives you some nice contrast and color as well. So, because a lot of the spruces have that real blue color to them. So, it gives you a nice or contrast. Gold. I was thinking mm -hmm. that uh, oh, the or Dieter cedar gold, Dieter right. cedar. That's beautiful. Great. I saw a big one the other yeah. day, mature one. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Very nice tree. Arizona cypress, a uh, great one for windbreaks as well. If you're trying to do rake, uh, fast growing, kind of has that bluish gray color. So another one, nice one to mix in with some more green. On we use a lot of those or suggest a lot of those out in the valley areas. Mm -hmm. So Chino Valley, Paulden, Dewey, Humboldt, they got big open spaces. They've got wind tunnels. They need to cut the wind and privacy all at once. Mm -hmm. And yet they're hardy enough to once they get up to size, they'll go by themselves. Right. Great plants. Mm -hmm. So then we get into some of the leafier uh, screen trees. And these are, they're again, mix them in with your evergreen, your okay. spruce and your Austrian pines. Photinia. Probably the number one yeah. <laughs> seller, fast growing. It is really, really pretty when it's putting on that new growth. That red, it, the new growth is always a bright red color. So it, red tipped photidia. Red tipped photidia. So it is a, a pretty screen. What's shrub. that new variety that just came that we started carrying? Red, red dynamo, dynamo. Red dynamo photinia. Mm -hmm. If you're going to plant one, plant that. It's super red, thicker. Easier and supposed to be less disease uh, prone to stuff. Mm -hmm. So red dynamo, mm -hmm. a red tipotinia. Right. Uh, Catoniaster. So the, the red clusterberry Catoniaster is a real pretty one. We used it out in Skull Valley when we yeah. lived out in Skull Valley. Uh, real pretty kind of vase shape to it, fan shaped. Little white flower clusters in the spring with red berries in the fall that are clusters not poisonous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the birds like them. Uh, and very animal resistant. Very much. So a good one if you've got deer, uh, bunnies, those kind of critters. How is that different from pyracantha? You know, everyone's that victory pyracantha, the great mm -hmm. big, has berries, evergreen, right. that kind of stuff. What's the difference? doesn't have thorns. Thorns. I guess that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's a, what's a common name to that? Thorn? thorn? Victory? Yeah. There, anyway. Well, there's victory. There's, okay. uh, there's lots of pyracantha. So... Yeah, Cotoniaster. It also gets a real pretty kind of fall color, winter color, kind of yeah. gets a bronzy look to it. Silverberry, the Eliagnus. Uh, we have that in front of our house. Yeah. Very drought hardy. Oh my gosh. Very, very drought Hardly hardy. Care for it. We mm -hmm. curse at it, kick dirt at it. Still grows. <laughs> it's great. It's a it's super native. plant. Yeah. Uh, the one we have is the variegated yellow green. Really pretty out front. Gives a nice color to the front of our house, which is gray. So it gives it nice color. So if vines are another way to screen, uh, whether you grow them on a trellis or you're just letting them, um, you're telling me to hurry up. I no, can't do it. Making sure you're watching the <laughs> clock. You see the list. You already even hardly scratched the surface. This so, is a great list, by the way. It is. So vines that are that are evergreen, honeysuckle, the Hall's honeysuckle, 
uh, real pretty fragrant flowers in the spring and summer. Lovely. Lady Banks Rose. So this is a rose that's evergreen, plus it doesn't have thorns. Yeah. But it only blooms one time in the spring, but it is gorgeous. Also it called blooms. the Tucson Tomb. Rose. Tombstone. Down. Tombstone, yeah. What I say? Tucson. Never, never, yeah. <laughs> Tombstone. Don't listen to what I say. Listen to what I do. And we're out of time, so <laughs> okay. we'll stop with that. Great list of privacy screens. If you need yeah. help, take a picture, take us, bring a sample, a measurement. We can help you design mm -hmm. privacy screens by next spring. It'll flush new growth and just be, you'll feel isolated in your own backyard. Ken Elisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. Be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. 300,000? Imagine a landscape needing 300,000 trees. Wow! But that's exactly how many trees Frederick Olmsted planted in New York's Central Park. That guy liked trees. Me too. A 2014 study found the more trees in a neighborhood, the lower the incidence of heart disease. Darwin, Einstein, and Beethoven hung out with trees to help them think. Trees are part of nature that helps us relax, daydream, and feel happier. Plant your own Central Park from Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, crepe myrtle, and purple verbena. Purple verbena is mountain famous for gorgeous summer-long flowers held over compact green foliage. This purple bloomer loves bright gardens, summer heat, and grows best in poor soils with less water. Go ahead and abuse this bloomer. You can't kill it. The perfect native perennial for easy summer long flowers. You'll only find the toughest verbena here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So I, I mentioned that it, it's okay to plant now. The moisture, the, the warmth, uh, the, the monsoon rains and humidity really make it good. But how do you plant? And so if you've tried to dig a hole anywhere in the mountains of Arizona, you've realized it's really hard digging here. So out towards Granite Mountain, that area, you all have a, some crushed granite with a hard pan about a foot down that's just rock hard. It's terrible. Out the 69 quarter, all the way down over to Cordes Junction, caliche layer. You've never heard of caliche till you come here and try to garden. And that's kind of a, it's a calcium layer. It's like this chalky gray band. You'll see it on the roadsides as you're driving down. They've, they've cut the side of the, the hill. You'll see this gray band that's in, in the soil. That's caliche. When water hits that, it's like it's like concrete. Water does not penetrate through that. And so plants will struggle. They can drown, have, can have issues. So there we try to fracture that thing up. Realize this. Plants in the mountains of Arizona do not have a taproot. So the roots, that's a myth. They don't, the roots don't go down. There's nothing down there for them except boulders, rocks, caliche. There's just, there's no, there's no topsoil. There's no nutrients. There's no worms. There's no moisture down there for them. And so what they do is, even the great big you mean, ponderosas, large junipers, uh, silverberries, serviceberry, these big natives, they, they have a taproot that goes down about 18 inches. 
Then it turns, and I call it like the hockey puck. Uh, it's, it's, it's hockey stick, excuse me. It actually goes down, and then it turns, and it runs under, just underneath the surface of the soil for hundreds of feet in, in all kinds of directions. If you know that's how your plants are going to grow, whether it's a new fruit tree, let's see, new apple or pear tree or plums or a new flowering butterfly bush or a, a rose bush, it doesn't matter. If you, if you know that's how those roots are actually going to start growing, encourage, dig a hole that encourages that. Promote it. They, th these, these plants know they're in this monsoon pattern. It's going to have dry spells. And when it does rain, make sure the roots are right there underneath the surface of the soil so you can pick up as much moisture as it can when it does actually rain. That's also where the nutrients are. That's where all the mycorrhizal colonies and the worms are. They're active right there within that first foot or two of soil. And that's where the roots are of your trees and shrubs. Encourage that. So when you're digging your hole, let's say you've got a great big say 15 gallon maple tree you're going to put in or or multi-stemmed aspen a larger plant larger root ball the hole that, that you're going to dig for that plant is only as deep as the bucket so even a 15 gallon plant it might need a 14 to 18 inch hole that's as far as you don't have to go deep but you're going wide you're going to add you're going to dig that hole three times as wide as the bucket kind of shallow saucer shaped and, and only as deep as the bucket and then many of you, that soil that you take out of that hole, some of you, you're going to have to screen or screet that soil. You're going to have to get anything bigger than a golf ball needs to get out of there. Because as those bigger particles, rocks, chunks of debris, as those heat up in summer, they actually roast or, or heat up the roots and they cause damage. So they're, they're actually, the particles are too big to actually hold water molecules. So you want smaller particles, smaller uh, uh, pieces of soil that so some of you may have to actually screen your soil. You're gonna take that and that whatever's left of that dirt, we're gonna use that to backfill around this root ball. And so you'll, you'll but you'll need to do something extra. Add some composted mulch. We call it Waters Premium Mulch. So we've got an old sawmill over in the, East, in the White Mountains. And this, 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 the saw tailings of this sawmill, we're, we're harvesting that. And so it's been composting there for decades. We'll take that and screen it down a quarter inch minus. Very fine uh, compost. Uh, locally sourced wood chips, basically, that, that looks chocolatey, mocha. kind of, kind of Plants love that. And so we're going to take about oh, one shovel or about a third of mulch to your native soil. So kind of one scoop of mulch to three scoops of native soil. That helps you. About 75 to 60% native soil. We just want to amend that so that we've got some organics in there. That's what's going to bring the worms in. That's going to help the roots kind of get through that clay soil or hold the moisture in around this really crushed granite kind of stuff. It really is a game changer. So you're trying to reintroduce some organics into that planting hole around, that, around the roots. So blend that together. Now you're going to take your plant and pop it out of the bucket. Oh, before that, the soil has been dry. I don't know what it is now. I haven't planted in the last week. But soils are starting to rehydrate. What, what I've been doing up until pretty much this week is I'll take a hose and I'll just fill that planting hole halfway up with water. I want to hydrate not just the plant. 
I'm trying to rehydrate the soil around the plant. So I'll actually purposely put a, have a sloppy planting hole I'm putting that new new root into so that so that it, it hydrates that that plant I'm planting but also the surrounding soil. So probably even now, even with the rains we've had, add some water into that planting hole. Again, you're trying to rehydrate the plant. Many times what will happen is if the, the surrounding soil is really dry, you'll put your plant in and the surrounding soil will actually wick away the water. Even though you're watering that plant right afterwards, there's so much soil around it that it almost sponges away or wicks away that moisture that you gave that plant. And within oh hours, it's bone dry. So if you rehydrate the soil, it doesn't do that as much. So kind of a insider tip to in planting in a dry, arid climate. It really does make a difference. Now, I'll pop that plant or cut off that bucket and I'll look at the roots. A lot of folks advise you to beat up the roots so there's hardly any soil left. Don't, don't do that. That, that. That's not good. I might massage the very bottom of the roots a little bit the sides, I really don't do that much. If you're buying a good quality plant, they will not be root bound. Some of the old leftover plants uh, from last year, they couldn't sell them. What will happen is they'll, they'll bring them up for sale again this year and they've, they've, they've outgrown their bucket. And so the roots will start spinning round and round in the bucket. That's called that root bound. So there you try to score it or root prune some of those, those plants. If you're buying a good quality plant, you shouldn't need to do that. You won't see that. Uh, the bottom of the bucket can maybe see a little bit of matting underneath. I'll just massage it a little bit. I'm being very tender, gentle with that root ball. I'll backfill it. I'll put it in, the, in my soupy kind of planting hole. Then I'm taking my mulch and native earth blend of, of soil and I'm backfilling around that. Here's an insider tip, and this is a curse that we have because we're near Phoenix. Don't do it the way Phoenix does it. You don't want to have your plant in a divot. We're not trying to rain harvest. Oh, you know, you want, you want to have it below grade so the water can flow into that root ball. Don't do that here in the mountains. We can drown things. We get a lot of rain when we get it. So you kind of want it, that soil to be, that top of that root ball should be at soil level, maybe even a little above. In fact, most of my plants I have slight on a very slight mound. I'm trying to ensure no matter how much summer rain I get, I'm not gonna drown my plants. So I wanna make sure the plants have to breathe oxygen at the root level. If they get filled, if you fill all those air pockets up with water molecules, the plant will root rot. It's what we call a crown rot. It's a ter terrible, slow, painful, stinky death. It literally rots. The roots rot off. But at soil level, or even a little above, you're backfilling that, so that mulch and native soil. And then from there, you put your irrigation, your drip irrigation, or you put your water well around that. Watered in really good. And then that last watering, I'm, I'm going to add some root and grow. There's a compost tea we make here called root and grow. You, you add that to your watering can and you water that plant in. And what it does, it stabilizes the plant. This is like root shock. I mean, it just really goes into shock when you put this new plant in the ground. This helps it to stabilize. And then I'll take a handful of all-purpose plant food. It's a, it's a native, it's a 744 natural plant food. I'll sprinkle a good generous dose of that around the roots. The root and grow stabilizes it, gets it to start rooting out. 
The all-purpose plant food, that 744 food, that gets it to encourage new top growth, more foliage, to really start growing and taking in that new landscape spot in your yard. That's how you plant. So you always need five, three things, mulch, uh, food, and root and grow. And then dig a hole that's the same depth as the bucket, but wide. That's how you plant. We've got a handout here. It's free. Ask for it. It's got pictures. It tells you exactly how much. But we want you to be more successful with your plantings. Summer, fall, through next winter, we just want you to be more successful here at Waters Garden Center. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Plants are a lot like puppies. They need care, water, and food. You wouldn't forget to feed your puppies, so don't forget to feed your plants. Water's 744 All-Purpose Plant Food is a gourmet meal for your plants. The only food for Arizona plants for the nutrients they need for big blooms, a hefty harvest, and tremendous trees, all naturally. It's time to feed your plants with 744 All-Purpose Plant Food from Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Hi, Ken, with our Vine of the Week and our Arizona Sunset Trumpet Vine. Huge, deep red flowers cluster to create a dramatic summer show. This vigorous vine thrives and blooms with near neglect. Fast growing to cover chain link fence, shade structures, and trellis quick. Easy to train as a ground cover up a rock face to hold soils from erosion in just $34. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love vines that bloom red, they love to shop. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. It is always a pleasure hanging out with you all this this hour every weekend. Been doing this for a lot of years, decades at this point. But just fun talking about your passion what your giftedness is, what your family legacy. What you've, it's, this garden center's been in the business for 60 years. And so we've been farming throughout Yavapai County, the central highlands area, for that long. And so we've just learned a few things. And to be able to impart some of that, my goal every week with this show is that you can take three things that you could use in the garden right this week that would make a difference immediately. That's my goal. I'm always trying to over-deliver. I've got too much. I wish I had two hours, but not really. But I always have two hours of material that I want to pack into one hour, so sometimes it's fast-paced. I apologize for that. But I'm always trying to give you, I want you to be able to, to listen in, be entertained, you don't want to be boring, and then take three things you could you could apply right now. Even if you're not a tomato gardener, you're a flower gardener, or you just like landscapes that are that are easily easily maintained. I just want my trees to be bigger, fuller, more shade. I want more birds. Whatever your thing is with gardening, I want to help you take three things and just implement it, and you'll go, wow, that that Ken guy on the radio, he's pretty good. Wow, I like that. And so that's my goal here. Every weekend, we have garden classes that we do the same thing. And so every Saturday at 9.30 in the morning here at Waters Garden Center, uh, they're always free. Uh, you will typically have anywhere from 20 to 50 students 
here's kind of a fun thing. You're hanging out with other folks that love big, funky garden hats and break gloves, and uh, they, they, they like the smell of manure. Gardeners are kind of funny that way. So you're hanging out with other people like that, and you just learn together. This, this weekend, we had bugs. How do you, what are the bugs you're seeing right now? We just had some examples. And Doug Arthur, one of our master gardeners here on staff, just a brilliant guy. He's a retired gardener that just knows stuff. And he loves, he's even keel, just loves talking to folks and just sharing. He was teaching that class. Next week, I'm teaching uh, privacy screens and barriers. How do you screen out that neighbor that's looking over the fence at you? The week after that, July 30th, that's the last Saturday in July, it's Edible landscapes, how to trees and berries, figs, pomegranates, I'm sure grapes will be going over. What can you plant that you could harvest some things? And, and I'll share some examples of how I, I use them in my own yard. And they don't have to be an orchard. You can just have a shade tree that produces peaches. I've got that in a container. We'll share those ideas. Proper planting, wildlife and bug prevention, uh, evergreens for the mountains. It keeps going on and on. Take a look at that at Waters Garden Center dot com so waters with two t's w-a-t-t-e-r-s watersgardencenter.com and there's a big button on the front you can't you'll stumble into it it'll hit you upside the forehead going garden classes here and it just explains what they are when they are and they're there again we we want every student to be able to take home that subject matter and be able to impl- implement at least three things at that time and then if if we if you missed it it's available online on our youtube channel you YouTubers, you know, Waters Garden Center, the class will be right there. We live stream it. We live stream it through our Facebook post uh, page, Waters Garden Center. So we're trying to make it available for everyone because this is a little bubble that's kind of a challenge. And then, of course, throughout the week, Lisa and I, we camp out here at Waters Garden Center. We love helping locals, neighbors, fans of the show. We believe in picking apples and pears fresh from the tree at Waters Garden Center. Hi, Ken here with the Plants of the Week and our Arizona Cypress. If you want low-maintenance natives, easy care, and reduced water use, then this is the evergreen for you. When planted in rows, they block the wind, traffic noise, and make the perfect privacy screen. Comes in an Arizona blue, easy to grow, and prefers monsoon planting. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love native evergreens, they love to shop. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.